0: We saw that the Lord gets stirred up and uh, is not happy with an attitude that develops among those who have believed Him and have been saved by Him and uh, in whose midst He has done mighty miracles. In fact, we saw how God saved the children of Israel mightily with, with signs and wonders, great and mighty things. And uh, not only did he save them and deliver them from Egyptian bondage, <laughs> he unloaded the blessings of Egypt on them. They left after having been there for 430 years. They left with extraordinary riches from the Egyptian people. You read about it. It's in the account in Exodus, how that happened. So they took this mega group, scholars say somewhere between 2 and 3 million out of the land of Egypt and on their way to God's highest and best that he had promised forever to his man Abraham. And not only to Abraham, but Abraham's seed who would follow. The mighty blessing of Abraham is available, not just uh, to those of likeness, but, but all of those who bless Abraham. And uh, yeah, how many of you know that the Bible's very clear? That the fulfillment of the blessing of Abraham was manifested through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we give him praise for. It. You say, Pastor, I could never live up with all that, live up to all that I see over there, that the blessings and, and everything depended on complete obedience. Well, how many of you know that in the sacrificial system um, they were they received forgiveness for their sins where they fell short? And you and I have been fully and forever forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And we give him praise because he is the one who qualifies us for the blessing of Abraham. You don't do it by your own uh, uh, good deeds. God has done it in his grace. We found out there that the Lord became stirred up. Uh, In fact, his anger was kindled by this group because he had this highest and best, the land of Canaan, uh, available to them. And uh, they didn't go there. They stopped moving. After this great salvation, this great deliverance, they turned an 11-day journey into a 40-year nightmare. That can happen. Our unbelief can delay the promises of a good and wonderful God. Well, we see here that in in chapter 3 and verse 12, the Word says, Beware, brethren. Everybody say, that's me. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. God calls unbelief evil. We might have a list. How many of you know we're all broken somewhere? You better throw away those lists of, well, this is the height of brokenness. The heart of all brokenness is unbelief. And we've all got brokenness somewhere. Don't judge somebody else for their brokenness just because it's not yours. God's grace is greater than all of our brokenness. Can you say amen to that? Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing. That The word depart there we saw when we began this series. The word depart means to drift away. It means like a boat drifting away from shore and anchor, begin to drift away from the living God. How many of you know that when you start drifting, a lot of times you don't even know you're drifting until you begin to look back and see how far off you are from where you were. And the Word says, there is an evil heart that is developed in those of unbelief and departing from the living God. But encourage one another daily. How many of you know you need to stay in contact with other believers? Don't get in an isolated place. You become very attracted to the devil when you get isolated. Encourage one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together with other believers. Encourage one another daily while it is called today. And by the way, the the body of Christ in America today has a plague going on. And the plague is that so many of us, have said, you know, I just this thing about church, I just don't get anything out of it. How many of you know that's not the purpose of it? The Lord doesn't tell us to worship and to, and to gather with other believers because we get something out of it. That happens. But the Bible tells us to get together to offer sacrifice of praise and honor and thanksgiving. It's, it's about Him, it's not about me. Three amens on that one. It's about him. It's not about me. So the next time you think, well, I don't get anything out of that. Maybe you ought to say, Lord, you gave everything to me. In the name of Jesus, I will obey you and your word. Exhort one another. We need one another daily while it is called today. Lest you become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See if we can get isolated and take our eyes off the Lord sin is very deceitful it creeps up on us it has a hold on us before we even know it then we go on to the very end of that verse uh, in uh, that chapter chapter uh, 3 and verse 18 to whom did the Lord swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who did not obey so we see that they could not enter into God's best Because of unbelief. You remember the story in Numbers 13 and 14? We've been there before, and we were just there three weeks ago. And that is that God said, I've got this land for you. And when the 12 spies went out to view the land, they came back and they said, boy, it is a great land, but we can't have it. I wonder how many of you have hopes in your own inner man, hopes and dreams that you have because in your inner spirit man, where the Holy Spirit lives if you're a believer, you have things that you want to do, you want to see, but your mind says you can't have it. Too late for you. And it always talks about your circumstances as to why you can't have it. You're too old, you're too young, you're too big, you're too small, you're too broke, you're too rich. You know, there are no limits to all the reasons The enemy tells you why you can't do that. Every time the Lord says, I've got my highest and best for you, there will always be manifested reasons why you can't go there and have that. Always. And so these people began to listen to the wrong voices. They were sitting under leadership that gave them to say, you know, you, you you, you can't go there because the people that live in the land of Canaan... They're bigger than we are. They they have walled cities. We've been wandering around out here in the desert. We were slaves in Egypt for all those years. We can't have that. And the Bible says they begin to see themselves in their own mind as grasshoppers. I don't know about you, but my my upbringing uh, told me grasshoppers were good for nothing but fish bait. The, the the people said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we know that's the way we look to them. We can't have the land. How many of you know that when they did get the land after those 40 years of having to learn, when they did get the land, how much did it have to do with them anyway? The very first city they came to, was a place called Jericho and you remember how God said you are gonna take the the city of Jericho he said I'm gonna send spiritual leaders out there in front of you to pray you better get under prayer covering I'm gonna send spiritual leaders out there and I'm gonna send the priests out there and they're gonna march around Seven days. And on the seventh day, all these times are going to do, and I'm going to send the worshipers out there, and they're going to blow trumpets. So I'm going to send intercessory prayer, and I'm going to send worship out there. How many of you, when you're in the fight of your life, in your business, in your health, with your children, in your spousal relationship, how many of you begin your battle by prayer and worship? And God said when you do that, when I give you the signal, when I say it's time, when I say it's time, not when you want it to be time, but when I say it's time, after all this prayer and this worship, the trumpets will sound in a mighty sound and you will shout the shout of victory. And when they did that, guess what they saw? The walls of that 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 city that was impenetrable fall flat fell that just fell right there just fell right there on the ground and the enemy was very easy it was a matter of being an occupation army then instead of having to go through all the strategy of trying to figure it out what I'm trying to tell you today is this if somewhere in your walk and journey with the Lord You have gotten to that place to where your circumstances have overwhelmed you. You don't see any way to win the battle. Uh, Get into prayer. Get into prayer covering and get into worship. And then begin to listen as to what the Lord says to do and when he says to do it. The battle's not yours anyway, it's the Lord's. We see in chapter 4 there that the word says there since there remains a promise of entering God's rest entering into the land of his highest and best it doesn't mean to be passive and to do nothing it means to stop striving to make it happen in and on your, in and of your own flesh verse 2 for the gospel was preached to us as well as to them but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard for we who have believed do enter that rest. There remains verse 9 a rest for the people of God. An interconnection to the God who has already settled it before I even see it. How can that happen? You see when we begin to operate in faith the just shall live by faith without faith it is impossible to please God I mean when you go on a little bit farther and you remember last time I described to you the, the, the operation of your spirit man where the Holy Spirit lives in a reborn Christian your soul your mind your will your emotions and your body and we talked about how our mind is such an absorber of information. And it comes from outside, it comes from inside. It's not all good. We have to discern what is the truth. Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. How did God say to Joshua when they did conquer the, uh, the land, how did God say to Joshua he was going to do it? He said, don't let the word of God be absent from your mouth. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Meditate on it day and night. Speak it. Meditate on it. And then you will prosper and you will have good success. And he did. The truth breaks the power of lies. It is what pleases God. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is the substance the evidence of things that you hope for but you don't see yet faith is the evidence of things that you hope for but you don't see yet but what is, what causes hope to turn into faith they're not the same but they're inseparable Hope is the thermometer for the HVAC unit. If I go over there to that wall and I press some buttons, I am hoping for a result that I don't see yet. But your faith is that unit that you know it's done. It's going to happen. How does that come? Romans 10, 17, by hearing a word from God. When I have hope, that is a powerful force. Don't give up your hope because if you do, your faith don't have anywhere to go. Faith is the Assurance of things I'm hoping for. If you don't have anything you're hoping for, your faith can't manifest itself. But when you are hoping for that and you're presenting it to your God who hears and knows and loves you, either in that written word or by the Holy Spirit, in that rhema, that spoken word, the Lord speaks something to you and says to you in in so many words it's done you have it now you can rest because the end result has already been settled So don't give up your hope to see your children restored. Don't give up your hope to see your business restored. Don't give up your hope to see your marriage make it. Don't give up your hope to have a child. Don't give up your hope because hope is something essential to faith. It's dangerous to give up your hope. As long as that hope is in line with what The word and the will of God is don't ever give it up. Well, Pastor, how do I know if my hope is in line with the with the will of God? I haven't seen anything yet. If you have hope that you that that has been there a long time, maybe here's some suggestions for you. Submit that hope to the Lord and say, Lord. You know I have this hope and I have not let it go. It it has not escaped me. So here's what I feel like I should do. (laughs) I'm going to bring this hope to you anew and afresh and I'm going to ask you to give me affirmation that this hope has come from you. I'm going to ask you if it hasn't come from you, I'm going to ask you to withdraw the energy that I've been expending all this time if this is not something that you've placed in my heart. Because I trust you more than I do myself. Because I believe with all my heart you want the highest and best for me. So I'm going to bring this hope to you and I'm going to ask you to either affirm it and re-energize me with it. I'm either going to ask you to relieve it from me or, get this, I'm going to ask you to adjust it a little bit to be in line with your very best. To be in line with your timing. To be in line with your purpose. To be in line with that which you want to do and accomplish in me. But whatever it is, Don't give up that hope until you have been released from it. And I want to tell you something else. If God has put that hope in you, He's not going to remove it. Unless you come to that point to where you say, I have my hope. I have put some restrictions on my hope because in my hope, Lord, I have decided how you've got to do it, when you've got to do it. If you have put restrictions, you've got to do this in right here, right now, just like this. That's illegitimate. You've got to come before the Lord with that hope and say, you know all things. I don't. And I admit to you, 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 are, you have my best interest at all times. You've got a better plan than I do. And so I submit this hope to you. And I'm going to ask you to adjust it in the way you want it to be adjusted. But I surrender. Who, when, how. It's in your hands. Now you got somewhere. Now, now, you ought to get excited. (laughs) The Lord loves it when we hope in line with His Word, His will. Say, Pastor, I prayed for something for so very, very long. And uh, it didn't come to pass, and I am in such pain. I can tell you this. If what you hoped for and prayed for and stood for for so long did not come to pass, You are not going to understand this side of heaven. I said, you're not going to understand this side of heaven, but you can trust that in his incredible love and sovereign grace, there is a higher assignment for you that will bring him glory. In the end, I can tell you that by experience. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Without it, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. Well, how does it operate? See, a lot of us... We know that the Word that God speaks to us in our inner man, when God takes, by the Spirit of God, when He takes that inspired print on the logos, on the written Word and speaks to us, but we also know that by, his inner, by the Spirit of God, when we ask Him to make it clear what He's saying, when His Spirit speaks to us in our inner man, and I've taught many times on how to hear the voice of God, But remember this, that there is an operational partnership that has to take place for us to be men and women of faith and break the grip of unbelief. And surprisingly enough, it has to do with what you say. Your mouth and your spirit man, your heart in in the New Testament. The Bible talks about our heart, our spirit man, where we're reborn when we receive the grace of God. Your mouth and your heart are inseparable. They're connected. They affect one another. Did you know you didn't even get saved until you said something? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Joe, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart you believe, resulting in your right standing with God. And with your mouth, confession is made leading to your salvation, healing, deliverance, and wellness. That's what the word soterian means. Doesn't mean a, just a ticket to heaven. It has to do with every part of your well-being. Are you confessing your salvation in every part of your well-being? Our mouth and our... Listen. Proverbs 18:21 is clear. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can kill your marriage with your words or you can make it live again. You can kill the aspirations and hopes of your children By telling them all the things they can't do or never will be able to do. You can kill the aspirations of those you love with your words. Or you can speak life and say, honey, I believe you can do anything God has ordained you to do and I'm right here for you. Yes, you can. You are not some victim of something you can't do. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. What you say makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Would to God that we would all come to that place to where we say, Lord, discipline my mouth so that I may speak those things that give life. I want to show you something very quickly here today, and that is in Numbers 13 where we were studying. You don't have to go there. Let me go there for you. I'm, I've got to wind this down. In Numbers 13, when the spies went out, and they came back and said, you know, we can't do this. In fact, when we saw them and we thought of us, we were just like grasshoppers in their sight. They spoke that over the people. And the Bible says in chapter 14, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and wept that night. Can I ask you something? Who is crying into their pillow at night because of something you said to them? Whose dreams have you caused to die by your words? Get on your knees before God and ask Him to forgive you. Not only ask Him to forgive you, ask Him to correct you. That you begin to speak life. You know your words are like seed. They plant a harvest. They plant something that is going to come up in the future. Some of us need to pray for a crop failure. And say, oh God, forgive me for what I've sown in my own ignorance, out of my own anger, or out of my own insecurity. In Jesus' name I ask you for a crop failure on every seed that I've planted in my life or in the life of others that doesn't have its origin in your life. You can do that. You can do that. Thank God for His grace. Amen? Amen. People wept and cried. And notice they didn't stop there. The Bible says that They begin to take it another level in verse 2. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, they said. If only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? God doesn't want the highest and best for me. He wants to kill us. It would be better to go back and live in bondage to the Egyptians. You say oh my goodness pastor I'm glad that didn't mean that here's what we read in chapter 14 here's what we read in chapter 14 God said for Moses to go to the people and say to them as I live says the Lord listen just as you have spoken in my hearing so I will do to you you know what God was saying all right have it your way I saved you, I delivered you, I showed you my signs and wonders, I've been faithful to you for hundreds of years, but if all you want to do is go back to that old way of living, have it your way. Oh my, your words are powerful. So many times I've had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I hereby declare that what I just said is unbelief and I declare that it is not what I believe and I declare that it will come to nothing. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Amen. And he does. He does for you too. It is a powerful thing. In fact, here's what Jesus said, folks, in Matthew chapter 12, 34 to 37. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, what's really abundantly in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. Then he said in verse 37, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is serious stuff. Our heart and our mouth are inseparable. They function together. You say, "Well, man, that is bad news." No, that's good news because with your own mouth, you can start declaring the things of God into your heart and into your mouth. You can start planting the things of God in your own spirit. You can start saying the things of God into the atmosphere of your home. You can begin to say, you know what, anger and division will not prosper nor stand in the atmosphere of this house. And sometime, listen to you, some of you men need to hear this, you need to go outside, rise up and say in the name of Jesus, I declare that every spirit of disruption and confusion and anger must leave the premises of my property. You say, Pastor, the devil doesn't hear things like that. Well, why Jesus speak to him then? Lord, Jesus, show us how important and how powerful you have designed us with our words, life and death. St. Corinthians 4.13 tells us what we all ought to be aspiring to, and that is a spirit of faith. Having the spirit of faith, we believed; therefore we speak. Speak what it is that you believe. You are sowing seeds today for your harvest tomorrow. What did we just hear earlier today? The Lord removes mountains. How does he do it? Jesus said it like this, Matthew, Mark eleven, twenty-two to 24. Have God's kind of faith. And then he describes what God's kind of faith looks like. He says, whosoever shall say to that mountain, that mountain in your life, be removed and cast into the sea. The, the sea of what? Sea of God's provision. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Remember, doubt's something you do, not something you feel. You can go on to obedience and still feel doubts. That don't have a thing to do with it. Doubt is something you do when you start believing what you feel that's outside of the word of God and acting on it. That's where the disobedience comes. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says takes place, he shall have whatever he shall say. Remember, that is in line with God's kind of faith. It's not making stuff up. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It is that which originates from the heart and the mind and the Word of God. It's not some fairy tale. It is God's way of planting seeds today with your words that have a harvest tomorrow. And I want to remind you, don't give up your hope and don't give up your prayers and don't give up speaking to the mountains that look immovable because what you don't realize is the greatest way God moves mountains is from the backside out. God is tunneling those mountains that you can't see any difference in as you pray and believe. He's tunneling them from the inside that you can't even see. But one day they're going to collapse and fall in his own timing. Don't give up your hope. Don't let go of that faith. Stand firm. God will give you the grace to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. I want you to join me. To join me today. Would you do it? Just repeat after me. Mighty God, everlasting Father, my King, my God. I declare today that I believe you want the highest and the very best for me. I will not give up on the hopes that you've given me. In Jesus' name. I ask you to speak to me by your spirit through your word. Grant me the grace to believe you at all times. And I hereby declare, your word shall prevail and have final authority in my life. In Jesus' name, I'm moving on. I'm not going to stay stuck where I am. I'm going to take new ground in my inner man by the glory of God. I want to see more of the intimacy of my God in my life. In Jesus' name, reveal to me what needs to be corrected. and By your grace, I will do it. In Jesus' name, I thank you today that you are for me, with me, going before me to bring forth your highest and best in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.